Hello and welcome to Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. This week, unfortunately, we're out of 50% capacity as Jay and Corey could not make it, but I still have Dina here with me. Before we kick Hello. things off, I want you to remind you that all of you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, you could probably find us there. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share it with everybody you know so you can get it straight onto your feed and theirs. I'd also like to thank our show sponsor, Document Doctors. While not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check them out today at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. Tina, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, excited for the holiday. Got family coming in, so it's always always good. And excited to talk AHL hockey. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, you can't go wrong with some good turkey and some mashed potatoes. Definitely looking forward to that Thursday. That... I got a pumpkin pie on the agenda for tomorrow oh. evening. So, yeah, my father-in-law always insists that I make the uh, pumpkin pie every year. All I do is follow the instructions on the can, but he acts like uh, it's the best thing ever. So I'm not going to complain. Hey, it's pumpkin pie. My mom's making pecan pie. I'm looking Ooh. forward to that myself. But nice. on to some hockey news. Unfortunately for... Some things that pe- may, someone may not be thankful for is Kale Cassie may not be th- as thankful to the American Hockey League this year as they announced that he would be suspended for the next three games, suspending some action in a game against Hershey. Cassie will be missing on Wednesday's game on November 22nd at Milwaukee and Saturday, November 25th and Sunday. November 26th at Hershey. So some unfortunate news for Cassie for sure. Yeah. And if you're on YouTube, I'm actually going to back this video up just a little bit, but you can, uh, whenever the camera pans back over into the uh, Rockford uh, defending zone, you can kind of see this unfold where Kale Cassie comes together. You know, there's that little bit up by the goaltender there. A couple players come together. Here comes Cassie and just, yeah. And then it just, develops into a huge fight and you can see right there the Rockford player is not wanting to be a part of this um he I won't show him after or the Rockford player after the fight because he was very visibly uh shooken up but yeah it just so originally uh Kale Cassie was called at 447 of the second for a five-minute fighting major yeah, five five minutes for fighting, and then a game misconduct for aggressor ten minutes. So you knew that that um, <laughs> that supplemental discipline was probably coming, but yeah, not a good look with what seemed otherwise like a uh, a pretty benign play there. But whenever I was listening to the broadcast, it did sound like you know those players were kind of on each other the game before, so it was just kind of a cumulative uh, response between Jalen Lipen and uh, Kale Cassie. Now, if you if you saw the video on YouTube, you can definitely attest to what I'm going to say next. It did look a bit like the Sean Thornton and Brooks Orpik kind of play a few years back. 
where he punched Orpic before he was while he was down and knocked him out, and it's it was that I remember I was at that game between the Bruins and the Penguins. It was not a pretty sight to see. I think that was probably before my very major uh, hockey uh, fandom kicked in. <laughs> I am very late to the hockey picture. Hey, it's better late than never. Exactly. I, I didn't. I didn't start until 2010. If it makes you feel any better. And that was when the Bruins hosted the Winter Classic for the first time. So I guess I started as a bandwagon fan, I guess. That was your first game? That was that was my first game that I really said, okay, I like hockey. Wow. I mean, that's a heck of a game to go to. Well, I didn't go to it. I wish oh. I did. You wi- Oh, you wish you I did. I watched it. <laughs> Sorry, I only caught like part of that because I was pulling up... Um, a clip for our next uh, little quick hit here. And of course, when that came up, the audio came up. So I had you overlaid with that. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> so I missed the wish part. So what's this happier clip that you're talking about? It's got to be something good. Oh, it's absolutely good. It is AHL uh, history good. If you didn't oh. already see it, but uh, last this past Friday, goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic, and let me pull this clip up because you have to see it. Uh, excuse the fact it's a little blurry. Unfortunately, the cameras in Providence uh, weren't the highest uh, quality, but take a look here as Alex Nedeljkovic, again, making AHL history after his second career goal last Friday, just whips it all the way across the ice. And look at the Selly. I mean, that's, that's the a bow and arrow Selly. Yeah, but he is the first netminder in American Hockey League history to score more than one goal in their career. The funny part about this is he was down with Wilkes-Barre Scranton literally for one game. It was a one one game conditioning loan. And then he goes, not only wins the game, but gets his team a goalie goal. I think the only thing that would have made it better is if it was actually in Wilkes-Barre. Sometimes you only need just that one game to get yourself back on track. And you know that that was also the third goalie goal that the Wilkes-Barre broadcaster has broadcasted himself as well. Impressive. Tristan, Jar- Tristan Jari against Springfield. Alex Nedeljkovic on Saturday. And Joel Hofer in the playoffs against Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> Man, Nick Hart is just going to be the expert at goalie goal calls. He should be at this point. I Okay, so we need to bring him on and ask him which of those three was the best. That is definitely a good question. I need to know the answer to that. Okay, we will write that down. <laughs> we'll have to get him on the show. Perfect. And on, on another happy note, I you have something here about a point streak? Yeah, so Alex Steves uh, of the Toronto Marlies, very highly touted prospect of the Maple Leafs, is currently on a l- league-leading uh, season record for the longest points point streak in the American Hockey League, 11-game point streak, amassing 11 goals and five assists. Just impressive. I mean, in a stacked North division, they need players like that on that team, and when you need your good guys to produce, Alex Steves is stepping up. 
I mean, you talk about, I was talking to Ryan Smith over the weekend, the broadcaster of the Thunderbirds, about how he doesn't understand why Adam Gaudet hasn't been called up yet to St. Louis. How has he not been called up yet with that kind of a streak? Good question. I mean, the only thing, one thing I'm really hoping for, and I'm seeing this across multiple organizations where people are saying, why don't they bring up this wonderful prospect? You know, they're tearing it up in the AHL. And especially right now, I'm going to stick with the North Division because that's what I know best um, because I cover the Cleveland Monsters. But at this point, the difference between first place Cleveland and uh, fourth place Rochester and Toronto and Syracuse are in the middle. You know, Cleveland's got a six, seven, nine points percentage. The next three teams have a six, four, three. There is one point separating first place and fourth place. So maybe they're these organizations are deciding it's better for the development of these players to stay down, find their groove, find their happy place sort of, you know, in terms of uh, confidence. Let these teams try to run for something big, get them used to a winning environment and then call them up maybe in a season or so. But Alex Steves has been around for a little bit at least a couple seasons i don't know exactly how long um yeah uh, that's the only thing i can think of is at least toronto's being smart with it that's that does seem logical i will it could be his age as well 23 years old maybe just needs a little bit more time but he ha- he does have some nhl experience so i i guess we'll just Stay puzzled. Yeah. So this is his third season. Um, yeah, he averages, you know, pretty close to a point per game uh, each season. In the 2023 Calder Cup playoffs, he had five points in seven games. I'm not sure how much longer he will be a Marley, though. But you would think at some point he would be the first of the next men up, right? I, w- I would say so. I mean... It, it could also be a case of just depth at the NHL level as well, yeah. which I've thought about. It's just there's no no one for him to take the place of. But yeah. again, that, that's what I said about St. Louis, and Ryan brought up the point to me, and he said, well, do you really think that Sammy Blaze is an update upgrade over Adam Gaudet? And I said, well, that's a good point. And you think about this too, and you think, okay, well, is Tyler Bertuzzi really a good substitute for Alex Steves? And frankly, the way this season has gone, I would say no. I don't think he is. And there's there's so, I mean, some people love to talk about the intangibles. Some people don't like to talk about the intangibles. But you also have to think about what the player's specific role is on the team. And yeah, that's the one part of hockey that I'll never quite fully understand that that is a good point you you have someone who might be good on the power play someone who might not be good but I, we shall see that that's all i'm gonna say yeah and then i guess while we're still here in the north division just a real quick uh update on laval rocket forward leas anderson the rocket are going to be without his services for the next six to eight weeks oh. 
with a lower body injury. So all the best to Leas. Hopefully he gets uh, better much sooner than that six to eight weeks. But yeah, just not not bad Laval, loss. <laughs> Laval just can't catch a break this year, can they? No, no. I'm I'm praying for that team, not just him, but that team as a whole. They they need something to go their way this season. I'm telling you. Yeah, and to lose, you know, a you know, a veteran, you know, a guy that's been around the league since the 2017-2018 season with Hartford. You know, he's like I said, he's been around. He's spent time in the NHL. He's a good glue piece, but again, Six to eight weeks, uh, next man up in Laval. Fingers crossed for them. Mm-hmm. I guess we can talk about a happier note or something different here. The East and the West are two very, very different conferences this year. The East is the top, uh, has the most players at the top of the leaders in goals, four in the top five in assists, the top three in shooting percentage, and plus minus, and top three in points. Meanwhile, the West is at the top of the list in penalty minutes and major penalties. They also have the advantage in net with the top netminder with wins, minutes played, saves, and save percentage. They're all out in the West. The West also almost runs the board with the top power play and home penalty killing percentage. Now, while we're on the topic of the Western Conference specialties, shots aren't as much of a concern for the Abbotsford Canucks specifically and the Calgary Wranglers, who are com- are combined 15 wins, 3 losses, 1 overtime loss, while they're being outshot by their opponents. And Calgary even has 9 of those wins just by themselves. I mean, t- just talk about black and white here, Dina. Yeah, the whole, you know, well, the Eastern Conference is home of the, you know, higher. I don't want to say that the Eastern Conference teams are hired skill, but that's what the stats are kind of, at least they're more successful with the scoring out in the East, whereas at the West, they may have better defenders, better goalies, but the grit definitely seems to lay in the West. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats here. You know, in penalty minutes, Cal Cassie, speak of, you know, the Iowa Wild player. You know, he leads the league in penalty minutes, 59 through 12 games. Then you have Garrett Wilson in in Lehigh Valley, though. He's 56. But the next two are all are out in the West. Mason Geertsen. In Henderson, 15 games, 52 minutes. And, you know, then you got a player from Milwaukee, 13 games, 46 minutes. Major penalties, same names again. Kale Kessie, Mason Geertsen. Then you have Keaton Middleton out in Colorado with five majors and then four majors, respectfully, for the last two. And then, oh, yeah, rounding them out, Travis Howe, San Diego, with four majors as well. So it's it's just very interesting to see – Stats wise, the tale of the two conferences, as I'm going to be calling it. You have to wonder though if that has anything to do with discipline. That that's what I wonder if it has Could to be. do with anything with the coaching. 
is maybe the coaching in the East says, go for the net, don't go for the player. Or go for the puck, don't go for his skates. But, or they just take too many costly penalties. And But that could also just be causation and correlation here. It's... It- it very well could be, but I just find it f- interesting that in the top – okay, so the top six point getters so far through the league, everybody is in the East except for two players from the Texas Stars. That almost is making me think, well, this is definitely a coaching thing because they have the same coach. <laughs> Uh, well, obviously, if they're with the same team, it's the same I coach. Say, I but, hope so. but Neil Graham coaching those players, and I actually got to talk to him last season, and he is just really high on development of the players and just putting players in the right situations to make them and the team succeed. And that is evident right there whenever they're sharing uh a top list with guys like Adam Gadet, Alex Dees, Johnny Brzezinski, Joshua, and Joshua Wall out in Laval. I mean, Johnny Brzezinski, they're lucky they're on that list with him. I mean, or more, moreover, Johnny Brzezinski is lucky to share it with them. <laughs> he shouldn't be in the AHL with all respect to Johnny Brzezinski. But. I, I, yeah, <laughs> through 13 games played, he's got 18 points. He's two away from the top spot. He's having a crazy year. I'm telling him too. And I understand we had some theaters and coaches that you wanted to shout out here. Some milestones. Yeah. So off the ice, of course, there are some people that are as integral to the game. Um, You know, the, the experience for the fans and also for the players you know, they're they're just as integral as the skaters and coaches themselves. So I just wanted to take a minute to celebrate a couple of milestones here. First, one close to my heart. Last Thursday, Cleveland PA announcer Jason Sokol worked his 200th game. Now, honestly, Jason is a gem amongst the shiniest diamonds, and he makes a super excitable Cleveland crowd even more electric night in and night out over the course of the last few seasons, even when, you know, capacity was diminished and, you know, the team wasn't doing as well. He still kept the crowd all riled up. He was excited. You know, you could just tell in his voice, he's just so happy to be there. He loves doing that job. And I must say, he treats us in the media very well. Um, I think it was last season that there was this trend going around the Columbus Blue Jackets with Fun Dip. And it started to uh, trickle down into the into Cleveland. And one day, he brought Fun Dip and sent a few packs of it up to us in press row just so (laughs) we could partake in it as well. Jason, you know, you're wonderful. Congratulations on 200 games. Looking forward to the next 200 uh, along with you. And then uh, on Friday, Belleville's head equipment manager, Matt Mitchell worked his 2000th 300th game in the American hockey league per the team. He has served them since Day 
one and honestly is a true fabric of that franchise. So congratulations to to Matt Mitchell. I could not imagine <laughs> 2,300 games. That's <laughs> wow. I I would be impressed if I personally made it to 100. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't that's... even know if I've gotten that far, but. I mean, that's such a rough job too. It's very demanding. And like you were mentioning last, you said he was equipment manager, correct? Yeah, head equipment manager. You were talking about how impressed you are with them keeping track of the sticks last week. I mean, huh. just to do it twenty-three hundred times. Twenty-three hundred games, roughly seventy-two games a season, give or take ten. That, that that's pushing twenty four years in the business, and since that's off to you, sir. One, yes, yeah. absolutely. Thank you for all you do for your team, for sure. And speaking of office contributions, wanted to give a shout out to Chris Terry. Started a new program called Chris's All Stars. Program is open to those living with ALS and their families. Through the program, these families are invited to attend a Wolves home game throughout the season, and you can nominate on the Wolves website. We'll also include a link after the show so you can contribute to it as well. Yeah, if you aren't familiar with Chris's All-Stars, um, I would highly recommend, and again, the link will be down in the show notes, reading the article about this on the uh, Chicago Wolves website, talking about Chris's... Um, experience with with ALS in terms of having a a a person that became a friend that had ALS and unfortunately did pass away from it and it's a well-written article it's such an amazing um thing for for Chris Terry to do and kudos to him and the Chicago Wolves for putting this out there for for families that might just need a day to get away and have fun I spoke to Chris when he was at the All-Star Game in Springfield back in 2019, and such a genuine person, too. Just down-to-earth, willing to talk to anybody about anything. And, of course, I was just a young 20-something kid at the time, and we just talked hockey for 15 minutes. Even though his All-Star weekend, he took the time to just sit around and talk. Some hockey players are the absolute best. Oh. And we know one that we did talk to that is absolutely the best from a few weeks ago. And I think uh, we know who yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Speaking go back of- and watch those uh, shows if uh, if you need more context. In case you missed it, it was two weeks ago and... It was somebody from Dean's team. That's all I'm going to give you on hints. The rest you can figure out by yourself because we'd like you to listen. And he's back with the monsters again. Yay! But also congrats on getting called up. Yes. He should have gotten a longer look, but uh, I digress. Uh, I might just need to put that into an article. (laughs) I look forward to reading it. Now, speaking of stars and star players and, and such... We'll get into our three stars of the week now. My star for this week is in honor of Hockey Fights Cancer Month. And I'm not I'm not going to be talking a player. I'm going to be talking about Alma Lindqvist, who I know you're probably asking me, who's that? 
Alma Lindqvist is Oscar Lindblom's now fiance. Without her, he probably would not have ever played hockey again. Back in 2019, Lindblom had a mass on his ribs, which he, of course, being the macho hockey player he is, said, oh, it's probably just some bumps and bruises. I'm not worried about it. But she said, no, you need to get it looked at by a doctor. So when he went to have it looked at a doc- by a doctor, turns out that he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. It's a cancer that's found in only 200 to 250 people annually. During that season, she supported him. He went through chemotherapy and eventually returned for the Philadelphia Flyers and ended up playing in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Eventually, they bought out his contract, and he's since been with the San Jose Sharks organization. Now, unfortunately, he's on IR at the moment, but he's rehabbing from his all of his various injuries, coming back from chemo, and trying to become the hockey player that he was. But my star this week is his fiancée, because without her, he probably would not still be playing hockey and may not even still be alive today. As someone who battled cancer herself, there is no greater uh, no greater asset to your fight than having someone to advocate for you, to push you to um, get checked out, whether that's yourself, a partner, a friend, a family member. Um, I'll give her all the stars. Honestly, <laughs> all the stars from from you are on out. And also, you have to, you know, tip your hat, tap your stick, whatever, to, to Oscar as well for listening and taking action on it. Um, yeah, that's really all I'm going to say before I get too emotional, because it's obviously a topic that hits very, very close to, to home for me. And I guess stars to you are... Stick taps to you for beating it as well. Thank you. Thank you. All credit goes to my oncology team, honestly. So I will go um, with my star. So actually, we're going to have two stars of the week since there's only two of us here, which I guess makes this a little bit extra special. But I am going to give my star to Colton Doc. Now, I don't think many players had as big of, of a weekend as rookie Colton Doc. Friday on November 17th, he notched his first professional goal and a 5-4 to four loss at the hands of the Milwaukee Admirals and Troy Grosinick. Then, as you're watching, if you are uh, tuning in to us on YouTube, he notched his first prof- professional hat trick the very next game while... Uh, while clocking seven shots plus the game-winning shootout tally, you know, the day after against Zane McIntyre and the Iowa Wild. So four goals and two-plus games plus a beauty of a shootout winner. Honestly, Xander, Colton's announced his arrival in the AHL and is running the show in Rockford right now. I mean, before this week, you would say Colton Doc, who I don't know who you're talking about. Now it's... Colton Doc, he's diagnosing the goals. Yeah, uh, at first it, it it you know it was Colton. Don't you mean Kirby? No. no, Colton. He is his own player, and he's proving it. 
Also, shout out to Colton for wearing the neck guard as well. I did notice yes. that in the video. Just someone right in the AHL and says, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Not and a lot of people good to see. just come in and say, I'm going to do it right away. And he did it. I love it. Although you couldn't really see it well on the clip, just to kind of pivot just a little bit. I want one of those jerseys that the Iowa Wild are sporting. The the Iowa Wookiees. Oh, I, I was see that, but. so sad because um, by the time I saw that they were selling like T-shirts and merch on that, it was completely sold out. And I want a T-shirt of that so bad. I need to look. This up. It was one of the. Okay, hold on. Oh, those are beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to pull up a picture real quick and I'm they are auctioning them off, but I also don't have auction money right now. So, but take a look at this. Oh. I, Isn't I like, that the best? I mean, I like Trey Will, Fritz Wolanski's teddy bear jersey, but that's a close second right there, I will say. This I'm a is Star just Wars fan myself. Yeah, I'm definitely a Star Wars fan, and also just the kind of animation style of it, it is top-notch. I want that merch so bad, but yeah, I'm just hoping that they end up ordering more, because I want to spend my money. Yeah, exactly. I'll take a t-shirt or a beanie, honestly. Yep, but if you are interested and you do have uh, auction type money laying around, you can bid on one of those jerseys through Monday the twenty seventh at ten a.m. Uh, the proceeds are benefiting the DM Public Schools Success Program, and if you go to at i a wild on X. Twitter, uh, they do have the link where you can bid. So just a little plug for them. Definitely have to check that out. Um, but before we move on to your special segment, Dina, I'd like to share a little bit more about our show sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctor is a proud sponsor of Calder's Calling and the Calder's Calling podcast, and AHL News Now as a whole offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as document training, document doc creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at Document Doctors LLC. And once again, don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. Shop and support small businesses today. Now, Dina, you had a very unique segment today. Well, your background sums it up a lot better than mine. All the hockey players gathered around the Thanksgiving table. So... I don't know why this idea came to me, but it did. So I polled the um, all of the contributors here at AHL News Now. Um, 
which again, you can find all of our work, ahlnewsnow.com. And I asked them, what about the American Hockey League they are most thankful for? I got a really nice varying list. Um, and it just didn't sound right just reading them all off one by one. For some reason, it spoke to me that I should put this into a Thanksgiving poem or a Thanksgiving themed poem. I blame, honestly, my mother because she always was like big on like cute little poems and things like that. So I guess I took inspiration from my youth in this, but please bear with me. I hope you enjoy this, but I present to you the things that we are most thankful for at AHL News Now. And with this, and with that, yeah, there we go. Okay, here we go. Turkeys are funny birds, but one of the things we are most thankful for are the words. From mispronounced names like Laurent Dauphin being called Dauphin Laurent, Lawrence Dauphin, Laurent Duffin, and even Lauren Dauphin by the same broadcaster in the same game to the broadcasters that forget their own city name. Is San Diego actually San Jose? We and the broadcast team can't always say. The AHL teams are so giving, donating their time and talents to the charities, hospitals, and communities where they are living. We're thankful for elite names like Marcel, Marcel, and Ivan, Ivan. Oh, what's going to rhyme with that? Oh, Fine, here's another Ivan. Our Calgary writer thinks Dustin Wolf is elite both now and then, while our photography editor is thankful for Coachella's John Hayden. As we get ready for the Thanksgiving pause, there's something else that drops our jaws. The career first, goals, assists, shutouts, and championships. Though, as media, we have to stay impartial. We will always sneakily pump our fists. But truly, Silly our thanks may seem, what we are thankful for are the AHL teams. They bring the fun every night with specialty jerseys, theme nights, awesome names and logos. Plus, they are so accommodating to us as writers, photographers, and podcasters. They help our pros truly flow. Remember when we started this with a line about turkey? To make this about Thanksgiving, that word was key. But thank you, AHL. From AHL News Now, you are the best league out there. Take your bow. And that's it. <laughs> that was phenomenal. I ha- Thank you. There was actually a part that cracked me up, so I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> was, it but, the, was it the San Diego, San Jose thing? Because I honestly... exactly I, what it was. <laughs> I messed that up. Uh, way too often, and um, I told the other writers and photographers and podcasters here at the network, like, uh, my husband is absolutely booking the tickets, otherwise I will end up in San Diego, and that's, I forget what, like a four-plus-hour drive, and I don't feel like doing that. (laughs) Actually, I'm trying to think. You deal with LA traffic, it's two hours there, and three hours from there, so you'd be looking at a five-, six-hour drive. I, I, I 
If, yeah, no, but also if you need a little bit more um, context into why I said the uh, broadcast theme, this one comes courtesy of uh, Zach Martin, who covers the Charlotte Checkers for us. Is Highstick on the puck, I believe? Yeah, they're calling Highstick on San Jose, but the problem is San Jose didn't touch the puck the second time. I just felt so validated in that moment that I'm not the only one that messes up San Diego and San Jose. I, I felt I so validated. I don't remember if it was Zach who said it or if I saw a retweet of it on Twitter. Someone saying, well, yeah, no duh that San Jose didn't touch it because they weren't playing. Yeah, I think that might have been me in, in our Discord. But yeah, thank you, San Diego broadcast team. See, I, I I have to pause for making me feel so validated that I'm not the only one who does that. It shouldn't be their own broadcast team, though, but... Uh, it, everybody has... Oh, gosh, I'm going to go into like an old Hannah Montana song. Everybody has those days. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I need I remember, a couple days off. <laughs> I I think we all do. Yeah. The way I remember it, maybe this helps. San Diego is by the bay. Bays have gulls. San Jose is near the ocean. The ocean has barracudas. The ocean doesn't have gulls. Well, it does, but <laughs> I associate it with barracudas as opposed to Okay, the okay, gulls. fair, fair. Good old gulls it, it, by the bay. The bay gulls. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and moving on. On to our next segment. I, I'd i like to talk about the Eastern Conference. So we talked about it a little bit earlier. But right now, as of this recording, that there's just something absolutely nuts going on in the East. And you can attest to this as well, Dina. There is a five-way tie for fourth place in terms of points. I don't know what it is in terms of tiebreakers. But five teams have the same amount of points for fourth place in the Eastern Conference. And then, and then, if Lehigh Valley beats Toronto tonight, it will become a six-way tie for fourth place. And the one team out of that mix, of course, for me, is my team, Springfield. The one team out of that entire mix that has nothing to do with this would be Springfield. But Springfield plays tomorrow, Wednesday, and if they beat Bridgeport tomorrow, they are part of that six-way tie, and it becomes a seven-way tie for fourth place. (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about a logjam, and we talked about it earlier in the season. We talked about it last week a little bit, I believe, where one win can either put you all the way from last place to in the playoffs or one loss can take you way out of the playoff picture. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Cleveland for you. Yep. They were in the one final spot to make the playoffs going into last night's game against Charlotte. What do they do? They take the what? 700 mile plane ride down to Charlotte, go to down to Bojangles Coliseum and say, we're going to win. And they did just that, and now they're the third seed. I mean, I I just have one question for you. What in the heck is going on with the East this year? Uh, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, that scoring prowess. 
It's just, it's fantastic. Um, luckily for all these teams, though, I think uh, it's in the East, it's going to work out to more people's or more teams' advantage that they seed per division. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. But um, speaking of tie-breaking, just so everyone's kind of familiar, uh, do you want the tie-breaking rules between two teams or three or more? I think three or more is most relevant here. Sure, why not? Okay, so between three or more teams, so this is the tie-breaking procedures as used in the event of a tie in the standings regardless of division. So, okay, so among three or more teams, it goes in order of games one in regulation, excluding overtime and shootouts, then games one in regulation or overtime, excluding shootouts, then games one in any manner, then points percentage in a combined season series, then goal differential, then goal differential in combined season series, and then finally intra-conference points percentage so what? i'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's i think that still puts at least a two or three way tie though uh we would have to sit down and do the math which thankfully we don't have to do until much closer to the end of the season no. but i think as it's if the season ended tonight it would still put at least a two or three way tie for that number four seed Oh, really? Interesting. I want to. I want to say it would, but I could be wrong. I there's at it. there's an uh, there's an article for you <laughs> to sit down and deep dive this. Yeah, but yeah, if I have um, time over the holiday, uh, I'm, true, true. I will say on a happier note though, Laval is not the only one in last place anymore in the East. As who would have guessed it? Bridgeport joined them. They are tied for last place at the moment. I never would have suspected that. Eh, well, when you have a goal differential of 31 goals for, 46 goals against, it's not going to work in your favor too often. <laughs> but you think with Bridgeport that they would be a little bit above that, especially the, the way they played the last few seasons. You would think. But also, let's talk about Hartford. And there's there's been times where, you know, they do kind of fall off the cliff in previous seasons. And here they are this season absolutely running away with it. Except yeah. for Hershey, of course. But well, Hershey's just going to sprint away with it, not run away with it. Okay. Yeah, so they're going to be that meme that's going around right now, like on TikTok, where you got the one person kind of jogging at a nice little pace. And then you have this other person just go boom, right by him in the background. <laughs> So one point I wanted to bring up last week, actually, while we're talking about the North here is whenever, so going into last weekend series, Cleveland and Rochester, Rochester was top of the North division with a negative goal differential. And I just wanted to bring up last week, like, Hmm, how sustainable is that really? And even still, now, they have 54 goals for, 62 goals against, and they're still smack, I mean, yeah, they're not first place anymore, but they're smack dab in the middle of the North Division. How how can you... 
You shouldn't be in the playoffs with that kind of goal differential. But they were number one last time I looked at this until today, like before Cleveland, they were number one. They were beating teams with positive goal differentials. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, It blows my mind too. And then I think I was looking at the goal differential first between Springfield and some other teams. It was just a matter of like one or two goals too. If we get into that tiebreaker situation for that six-way tie. Yeah, so to kind of prove my point here, Wilkes-Barre Scranton, third in the Atlantic Division. They have a minus two goal differential. 40 goals for, 42 goals against. Charlotte, who's right behind them in fourth place in the Atlantic, has a positive goal differential. 41-4-37 against. Make this make sense. Why... Are Wilkes-Barre winning more games than Charlotte? Or and then there's Springfield with what was it forty five and forty four? So uh, it today. is now forty six forty six. Forty six all the way Thanksgiving, around. the mess. That's that's what I'm grateful for. For the what? For the mess of the standings that we oh, have to the- figure out. At the end of the season, and that we have more content to write about, because that warms my heart when we have more to write about and more questions to ask coaches and players about. Yeah, and then I'm just looking out at the West now, and it's just as messy over there in some aspects. Only it makes a little bit more sense, except for uh, the Iowa Wild. Uh oh. What was their goal differential? Okay, so they're in third place in the Central Division. Okay. 34 goals for, 45 goals against. The team below them, the Milwaukee Admirals, have a plus one goal differential. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, that, that feel like they're a team where they're getting either blown out or they're blowing out teams. I yeah, guess that's it's... that's the only logic I can arrive at is you either are horrible one night or they're ho- the other team is horrible the next night. Yeah, it screams whenever you win, you win a lot of close games. But whenever you lose, you really lose. Uh, I guess that's what it is. Possibly. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of Calder's Calling. If you'd like to check out any of our written content on the AHL, please check us out online at ahlnewsnow.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ahlnewsnow. Please also subscribe and rate our podcast wherever you found us. Please all share it with, also share it with your friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, people that you talk to on the street, postal workers, what, whoever you think would like some AHL content. Please share it. We'd love to share this all around the world. Finally, we'd also like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. And until next week, we hope your team wins. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving.